my privilege this morning to have a chance to welcome you to worship. Once again, we are placing this online and through TV 24 to have an opportunity to come into your home. We don't have our congregation here. We look forward to whenever we'll be able to be back together as a congregation. But we know that the Spirit of the Lord is wherever we are and wherever we're gathered in His name. Take the Word of God and turn it to 2 Kings. We'll be studying another passage from 2 Kings today. And prepare your heart for this time of worship. I want to encourage you that the Lord Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still in charge. And He knows exactly when He's going to heal our land and when we'll be able to come back together and we can rest in His care. Now you join together with us as we worship the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take it and turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. We are still emphasizing revival in 2020. This is the year of revival. So we're preaching messages about reviving our hearts, reviving our families, reviving our church, for revival to come across our nation, and we pray to eventually come across our world. And so we're focusing on, on these themes of revival. Last week, we were on Easter Sunday, and we, we preached an Easter Sunday message. But two weeks ago, we were in this passage in 2 Kings chapter 5. We talked about the story of Naaman. If you remember, Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army. And as he was captain of that Syrian army, he had everything you could imagine except for one thing. He had leprosy, and he needed to be healed. And there was the servant girl who had been taken captive by the Syrians, but she was from Israel. And she loved Naaman enough that she said, I wish my master Naaman would meet the prophet who's in Samaria for he could heal him. Naaman, hearing that, works out, arranges with the king of Syria to send a letter to the king of Israel so that he could go and seek to be healed there in Israel. The king of Israel has no help and no hope in healing this man of leprosy. But Elisha, the prophet of God, tells him to send Naaman to his house. When Naaman comes to his house, Elisha sends out a messenger to Naaman and tells him to go wash seven times, dip, dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he would be made well. If you remember, Naaman was upset primarily because he didn't come out to see him, and then to have to be given the instruction to go dip in the Jordan River, he almost missed that miracle. But thankfully, some of his servants said, if the man of God had told you something difficult to do, would you have done it? And he said, yes. So, well, why would you do something as simple as dipping seven times in the Jordan? So he goes and dips himself seven times in the Jordan. And when he does, he comes out clean. And whenever he comes out clean, he returns to the man of God. And he says that there's only one true God. That's the God of Israel. And I will worship him the rest of the days of my life. But along with that, he also says that he would like to give Elisha some gifts. He has all these riches and all these things he'd like to place in Elijah's hands as an offering or a thanksgiving of what Elisha has done. But Elisha refuses to accept any of his gifts. And this man, Naaman, then leaves. Well, it picks up from there a story that focuses on something very important for us to understand, and that is one of the obstacles of revival. There are obstacles out there that will be in our lives and around us that will hinder us from experiencing revival. And one of those obstacles is pictured in this passage today as it deals with a servant of Elijah whose name was Gehazi. Gehazi, that servant of Elijah who traveled with him and watched Elijah do so many of those miracles, participated in what Elijah is doing. Gehazi is overcome by sin. 
He's overcome by sin, and that sin that he's overcome by is the sin of greed. When Naaman, this wealthy Syrian captain, had offered to Elisha the riches, and Elisha had refused it, creeping into the heart of Gehazi was this sin, this greed that said, I want something, or I need something. So Gehazi then follows after Naaman in order to get some of the wealth that had been offered to Elisha. I want us to begin reading in verse 15 of 2 Kings 5. This is what it says. When he returned to the man of God with all of his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all of Israel, but in, in the earth, but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant now. This is where he offered the present. Like I told you, he refused to take the present and he goes on his way. Then you find out in verse 20, it says, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, Behold, my master has spared this name on the Syrian by not receiving from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, just now two young men of the sons of the prophet have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman said, Be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothes and gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them before him. When he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house. And he sent the men away, and they departed. But when Gehazi went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And Gehazi said, Your servant went nowhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cleave to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Gehazi had the sin of greed. He wanted something that he did not possess. He wanted something that others had. He wanted more than what he held in his hand. And from this story we can learn a number of things that will warn us about this sin of greed and hopefully keep us from committing that sin of greed that we wouldn't experience the judgment of God like Gehazi is going to and did experience the judgment of God. So I want us to pose a few questions that we want to answer. The first of those questions is, what births greed into a person's life? What is it that births greed into my life, or what birthed greed into Gehazi's life? The first thing is discontentment. Discontentment. And discontentment is is failing to be satisfied 
with what God has provided. See, God is our ultimate provider. He's the one who makes for us and gives to us and blesses us with what we have. But if we're not satisfied with what God has provided for us, what God has given to us, what our lot of life might be, then we're going to have discontentment that is going to creep into our heart and our life. And Gehazi obviously had that discontentment. He had such a discontentment that when he saw Elisha, the man of God, say to the rich man Naaman, I don't need any of your wealth. I don't need any of those possessions. Gehazi turns around and he, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to him. And listen to what he says to me in verse 20. He says, I'm going to run to him and I'm going to receive from his hand what he has brought. I will run after him and take something from him. I'm going to go and get some of those riches and I'm going to give those riches to me. And once I have those riches, then I'll have that discontentment or that discontentment removed and contentment will fill my life. Friend, if you have discontentment in your heart and discontentment in your life, you are placing a seed and an open opportunity there for you to have greed to creep into your heart and your life. Well, the second thing, though, that brings about this greed or causes greed to happen in our life is an incomplete observation. Did you hear that? An incomplete observation. What would be the incomplete observation that Gehazi had? Well, here's the incomplete observation. Whenever he saw Naaman, he saw everything that Naaman had that he wanted. He saw Naaman have that power, that position, and mostly he saw that Naaman had wealth. And he wanted the wealth that Naaman possessed. But he had an incomplete observation because he didn't see everything that Naaman had. For Naaman not only had wealth, but Naaman also had the disease of leprosy. And if he would have said, I want my life to be like Naaman's life. I want to change my life and, and my walk in life with Naaman's life. I want to be like him. He doesn't have the complete observation because never would he have said, boy, I want Naaman's wealth and I want his leprosy. <laughs> I want Naaman's wealth and I want his leprosy. He, he doesn't want that leprosy. He doesn't want everything Naaman has. He, he just wants a particular thing. So he has a a failure to see or an incomplete observation. I think sometimes we have that incomplete observation. Sometimes we look out there at things we'd like to have, we'd like to possess. We envy somebody who has something that we don't have. And sometimes we fail to see that in their life they also possess things we would never want. They have things about them that we would never want to be a part of our life. We need to pray that God would give us a complete observation, that we'd see everything that God's given to us and everything somebody else has. And some of those we would want, some of those we don't want. But when you have a complete observation, it gives you balance in your life. There's a third thing, though, and that's covetousness. To covet means that I want what you have. I want what somebody else has. And obviously, whenever he's discontented in his heart, in his life, he is coveting that which Naaman has. And it causes him to run after Naaman and to want to get what Naaman has it and to get something for himself. Be careful lest in your life that you look out there and you see somebody and, and you covet what they have. It's, it's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. 
Because inside of our heart, there can be this longing, this intense desire to have something that we don't possess, but we want, and it causes that covetousness to be in our lives. If you let discontentment and an incomplete observation and also covetousness, you put all of those things together, I'll assure you one thing, it will give birth to greed in your heart and greed in your life. And that's exactly what happened to Gehazi. He became full of greed. So he runs after Naaman. And whenever he runs and pursues Naaman, Elisha doesn't know anything about where he's going or what he's doing. At least Naaman doesn't know that he does. And, and, and I mean, that Gehazi doesn't know that he does. Gehazi runs after Naaman. And when Naaman sees him running after him, he, he gets out of his chariot and he comes and he speaks to Gehazi. And, and this brings about the second question. And, and that is this. What else does greed cause to happen in our life? Whenever you become full of greed in your life and you're pursuing things because of that greed, what else can it birth in your life? You know, one thing it will birth, it will birth in dishonesty and lying. Oh, that's another one of, of those Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. But greed will birth into your heart and into your life lies. Could we see in the story where Gehazi not only was full of greed, but he was also a liar? Do you know the first person that he, that he lied to? The first person he lied to is he lied to himself. He lied to himself to think that he could go and chase after Naaman, get those riches, come and hide them, and that Elisha, and more importantly, that God would not know what he did. And he convinced himself that that he could carry out this act, do all these things, and what he was doing was okay. The most dangerous person that you lie to is yourself. If you lie to yourself, you're going to find yourself committing sin after sin after sin because you will convince yourself that it's okay. You will convince yourself that no one will know. You'll convince yourself it doesn't matter to others and even doesn't matter to God. And the first lie is the most dangerous lie, and that is your lie to yourself. And Gehazi lied to himself, and that's what caused him to run after Naaman and to pursue those riches and to live out that greed in his heart and in his life. But he doesn't just lie. He doesn't just lie to himself. He lies to others. And the person he lies to first is he lies to Naaman. And what, is he, what does he say to Naaman? Listen to what he says to Naaman when Naaman asks him, is all well? And he says, all is well. But in verse 22, listen to, listen to the lies that he says to Naaman. Here's the first lie. My master has sent me. Lie number one to Naaman. Elisha has not sent him. Elisha knows nothing about what he's doing. Elisha hasn't initiated at all. So his first lie is, my master has sent me. Here's the second lie. Behold, just now, he says, my master said to say, behold, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from Ephraim. In other words, what what he's saying is that Elisha sent me, and he he wanted me to let you know that that two of the seminary students, two of those sons of the prophets, came from Ephraim, and and they have a need, and and I would like for you to to give them what you offer to me to meet that need. Well, there's no 
sons of the prophets who've come. They're, they're the seminary students who've shown up. Elisha didn't tell him to go and to tell him about these, this experience of these men showing up. That was the second lie. And, and then it goes on. He says, he tells him, please give them a talent of silver. Give them, that's the third lie. It's not to give them a, a talent of silver. It was to give to Gehazi a talent of silver. And then the fourth lie was that I want you to give a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. He lies outright to Naaman over and over and over again in order to live out the greed of his life. My friend, I'm here to tell you, if greed takes over your heart, greed takes over your life, you'll not just lie to yourself. You'll lie to others in order to have what you want, in order to pursue what you think you need in order to live out that greed in your heart and in your life. And you'll find yourself lying to others. If a person is full of greed, they're also going to be dishonest. But wait a minute. Gehazi does not just lie to himself and lie to Naaman. He also lies to the person who is closest to him. Just like anybody else who's full of greed. They'll lie to themselves. They'll lie to others. They'll lie to the people who are closest to them in order to live out that greed of their heart and life. He, Gehazi, lies to Elisha, the man of God. For see, when Gehazi takes those riches and puts them in his house, he then shows back up to Elisha. And when he comes to Elisha, Elisha asks him this question. Listen to what he says in verse 25. Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. That is an outright lie. I mean, he has run to pursue Naaman. He's chased after the chariot. He's gone in order to get the riches. He lies to the man of God. And remember, the man of God represents God. In the Old Testament, he represents God. So so he's not only lying to the man of God, he's lying to God. Lying to God. It seems like to me to be a dangerous thing to lie to the man of God and especially a dangerous thing to lie to God. But greed will cause you to do that. And he doesn't just lie to him outright. He also lies to him by omitting and failing to tell him the entire truth. Did you know that you can be dishonest by failing to reveal what you know by omitting that which you have been asked to tell? What should he have said? I ran after Naaman and I got talents of silver and I've got clothing. I've done. He didn't say anything. I've been nowhere. That was his answer. And he failed to tell him that his pursuit of greed had caused him to run after Naaman to get those riches. But do you know what? The man of God already knows. (laughs) The man of God confronts him about that omission. Listen to what it says there in verse 26. Did not my heart go with you when the man from, turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive money? That's what he was wanting. Or to receive clothes? And he goes on. The man of God and God already know what Gehazi's done. And Gehazi's lying to them whenever he, he fails to realize that they already know that. Listen, whenever you lie to God, God already knows your lying. He already knows the truth about it. And when you omit what is in your heart, God already knows about that. So it's not worthwhile and it's a dangerous thing to lie to God. In this case, Gehazi lying to the man of God who was the closest 
person to him. So what does greed cause to happen in your heart, in your life? It'll cause you also to lie, to be dishonest. So, so greed is caused to be covetous and it's caused us to lie. It's caused us to have a, a wrong observation. It caused us to have no satisfaction. That's what greed, how greed is birthed and what greed causes to happen within your heart and your life. But in this particular story, I want you to see how Elisha reveals to us the heart of God. Because that's what we really need to see. We need to see the heart of God in this story and the heart of God towards us when we're pursuing greed. Let's know what it says here about in the heart of God when it says in verse 26, Elisha speaking to Gehazi. And Elijah said to Gehazi, did not my heart go out with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? The man of God says, my heart was with you and I saw what you were doing when you chased after that chariot and Naaman got out of that chariot and came back to meet you and to talk to you. My heart was with you. That's Elijah speaking, but it's the heart of God. Did you know that's what God says to us just like Elisha said it to Gehazi? Do you know that God would say to you, I know you when you're pursuing the wrong thing. I know you when you're searching after and wanting that greed. I know you when you're there lying and being dishonest. My heart goes after you. My heart is with you. Child of God, I'm here to tell you. Whenever you got saved, Jesus Christ came to live in your heart and your life. And he's always in your heart and your life. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, even in your pursuit of greed or even in your dishonest actions, God is there. Is not my heart going with you? He reveals the heart of God. You know, if we in our hearts and in our minds could always remember that God goes with us, before us, after us, that God is there, it will make a big difference in whether we pursue greed and whether we're honest or dishonest because we know and realize that the Lord is there. Something else, though, in this particular passage is that Elisha asks, he asked a very important question to Gehazi and to us. Listen to it here in verse 26. Listen to this second question he asked. Is it a time to receive money, to receive clothes and olive yards and vineyards and, and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? He, he basically is asking this, is this the time for us to accumulate wealth and possessions? Gehazi, is, is this the time for you to get clothes and silver and to be able to have servants and have all those things that, that the rich man named it? Is this the time? Is this the place? Is this the world where we're to accumulate our wealth, to accumulate our goods? Well, the answer to that is no. Jesus clarified that for us. He said, whenever he walked here to, to clarify what Elisha was asking, he said, when he walked here, he says, don't place your, your wealth, don't place your possessions, don't place your heart on the things of this world. 
where the moth eats and rust will decay, where the thief can steal. This is not the place to place wealth, to accumulate wealth. This is not the place. This is not the world. But there is a place and there is a world and there is something and some way that you need to place your riches. And that is in eternity. Place it in eternity where the moth can't eat it, where the rust can't touch it, where the thief can't get it. Place your wealth in another place. In another world, that's exactly what Elisha was saying to Gehazi. Gehazi, don't be envious of someone else. Gehazi, don't be full of greed. Don't let it change your life. For this is not the place. This is not the world. This is not the time to be concerned about wealth. For see, all of this is going to pass away. All of this will be taken away. And the only thing that's going to matter is what matters for all eternity. So you, Gehazi, have allowed your mind to be consumed by greed, wanting things of this world, when this is not the place to accumulate the wealth that really matters. That's eternity. And, and you know, Elisha doesn't just speak that, but Elisha lives that. I mean, think about Elisha. Uh, Elisha never, never written in the Word of God. Do you ever see Elisha pursuing wealth? Do, Do you ever see him looking and searching for accumulating things in this world? Matter of fact, he's just an itinerant preacher where the Shunammite woman has to open her home so he has a place to stay and to lay his head. And and he's never concerned about what he has to eat because even if God has to take poisonous stew and to make it where it's edible, God will do it. God will provide whatever is necessary, but Elisha is never trying to accumulate the wealth of this world because it is not the right place. And if you want to guard against greed in your heart and in your life, and you you do not want greed to take control of you, remember this is not the place. This is not the world. This is not where accumulation of wealth should take place. But rather in heaven. Rather in that eternal place where Jesus is. How you live and how I live. And you know something? That will never be taken away. It'll never be destroyed, and it'll always be there. That's the world to accumulate wealth. One final thing I want you to see about this passage, and that is I want you to see the judgment that came upon Gehazi. The judgment that came upon upon Gehazi because of his greed. Please don't miss that. It's found in verse 27. It says, Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cleave to you and to your descendants Forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Wow. Do, do, do you hear what the judgment was for Gehazi? It, said, it basically says this. He says, Gehazi, if you're looking at Naaman's life and you want Naaman's life, then you will get Naaman's life. You will get his life. You've attained the wealth. You've got the riches that he had. Now you will have what he had that you really didn't want. And that will be leprosy. And that leprosy, when you see it and you experience it, it's even going to touch your descendants. Whenever that 
leprosy, that disease, when you realize that, you're going to understand that there are things in life that you don't want. (laughs) There are things in life that you would never, ever ask for. And that in Naaman's life, there were things that you would never want, but all you did was pursue that which he had that you did want. So if you want Naaman's life, you can have it. And it was a constant reminder, a constant reminder, Gehazi, that I was full of greed and greed cost you. Do you know greed costs you? (laughs) Greed will cost you. It will entrap you. You know, I've heard the story of how you catch monkeys in the wild. And that was to bore out a little hole just big enough for the monkey to stick his hand in to get the treasure out. But whenever he grabs hold of the treasure and he balls his fist, he can't can't get his fist out of the hole because he has it in a fist. But he's not willing to let go of what he possesses in order to slip his hand out. And so he is held and entrapped in that place. That's what greed's all about. When you reach in there and you think you've got to have the things of this world and you try to possess that, it will entrap you. You've got to be willing to let go of things. You've got to be willing to say, things of this world really don't matter. Things that do matter are the things of eternity. Now, could I ask you a question or could I pose something to you? Do you think, or do you realize, or would we like to realize that that greed passed away when Gehazi passed away? Wouldn't you like to think the only person in life who's ever been greedy was Gehazi? And we read his story, saw the judgment, and that's over. Is that really true? No, it's not true. See, greed is a part of of all of our lives. It's something we have to battle with. It was a part of the nation of Israel. That's why next week when we talk about an aspect of greed, I want to show you how greed crept into the very nation of Israel and how that nation experienced judgment because of that greed. And I say this to you and me, this message today, as well as next week's message about greed, to warn us that we do not want to be greedy. We want to be givers. We want to be blessers. We want to be contented in our heart. We want to be joyful in our spirit. And whenever that greed creeps into your heart, push it down. Resist it and run from it. That you might walk pleasing to the Lord. For remember, the Lord is walking with you. And he knows what is in your heart and in your life. Could I challenge you today? Examine your life. Wherever you might be guilty of greed, wherever you might be wanting something that that other people have and, and, and desiring something that you don't possess right now, would you ask God to give you a contentment in your life and a peace and a joy? Be like the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Would you learn that kind of contentment and push away greed? Would you be warned that that greed can cause you to lie? to yourself, to others, and even to those who are closest to you and and even to God. And you don't want that to happen. Could you realize that there's a judgment that happens whenever you let greed take over your heart and in your life? And push down that greed and be one who's satisfied and joyful in your heart and life. Child of God, we need to lead the way in that because we are the children of God and what we possess can never be taken away. 
and is greater than any riches of this world. If you're listening today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I ask you to give your heart to Christ. He can change you from the inside out where you have greed in your heart, desire, covetousness. He can change that. He can make you new, give you a joy and a satisfaction that is only found in the Lord. Give your heart to Jesus today. Child of God, give your life afresh and new to God today and allow your life to be full of the joy and contentment of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture that reveals to us very clearly, very clearly, the danger of greed. And it also reveals to us the progression of greed when it causes lies to be said and told. It helps us to understand, Lord, that you're there with us and that you want us to be focused on the right things. And it helps us also to be warned that there's judgment when we let greed take over our heart and life. I pray for that person who doesn't know Jesus. Today would be the day they ask Jesus in their heart. They'd give their heart to Christ and believe in him as Lord and Savior. I pray for that believer to be contented in their life and to walk in the joy of Christ, placing their riches in glory. And I pray for each of us to live pleasing to you in all of our ways, that you, Lord Jesus, would know that we love you, we know you're with us, and we're seeking to please you every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.